Turning 13 is something that everyone looks forward to, or at least many kids that I knew did. They looked forward to that excitement, taking that step into being a teenager and entering that teenage phase that all the parents dread. But for me, it wasn't something that is just another phase. When I turned 13, my entire life, and more importantly, the way that I approached it, changed completely. Prior to that age, that number that scared the shit out of me before that number, I was happy. I had all things that I loved. You know, my family was very close to me. I had a bunch of friends. I was very happy. I was perfectly fine. But then I saw so many deaths, so many deaths on the news, young people dying. And that quote, you know, that one part of it, that vital adjective was the word young. You know, there's that stigma with the number 13 for me. I thought that was very unlucky. And I personally did think, and I convinced myself, that being 13 would be the cause of my death. You know, that I thought that when I turned 13, I was going to die. And I don't know if that was because of the way that number was portrayed in the media and movies and in everything to be a very unlucky number. But for me, it really did. It really did hurt me. I remember when I turned 13, I was in Switzerland and my mom had given me, you know, a box of literally Birkenstocks. Do you guys remember that trend? Yeah, my, my mom gave me a box of those because I was very happy that I got the new shoes. She gave me it um, on the train and we got to the log cabin and I remember feeling you know, just trapped. I felt very congested. I felt like the air in the cabin was thinning, but it wasn't. And I convinced myself. And that whole day that I had worry on my birthday, I cried about it. I was freaking out. And I had this constant shakiness in my physical attributes. And also just like in general, the way that I was talking was very shaky. And that was my first ever panic attack, anxiety attack. That's was the day that my life, you know, was supposed to be a celebration of turning a new age um, and teenage year to a complete flip side of my mental health. That, you know, the happy little girl I constantly smiled was like slowly fading as I was 13, you know, day by day, each hour, each minute, I felt less and less like that person that I was. I felt kind of numb in many circumstances and more so that not real. The word numb is so associated, you know, it's almost like um, a joke now. Like, oh, I feel numb. You know, poor you type of thing. It's like kind of sarcastic, but no, that's the definition. That's how I felt, you know, emotionless. I don't know why, I don't know how I convinced myself to feel that way, but I did and I couldn't stop it. We came back after that trip that I've been wanting to go on for years, and when I came back, everything felt normal. I started school again, everything was great, and then, like, you know, each day that I felt a certain way, it was kind of sporadic. Like, some days I would feel fine, some days I didn't, and that's kind of the bipolarity of it, and one day I had the anxiety attack that, you know, kind of flipped that type of mental health in my mind, what the severity of it was. That day, I really thought was going to be my last 
it was two o'clock in the morning. I got him out of my bed and I was shaking. You know, I was sweating and I felt very on edge. I didn't know why I was feeling on edge, but I did. Um, as a 13 year old, your body's growing, you know, you are hitting puberty, your hormones are changing. So obviously you're already like changing in a physical way, but then that mental illness that I was dealing with then also added to the mix and it didn't feel good at all. It felt terrible. It felt unusual, unique, you know, something that unique is actually like it has a positive denotation and connotation. So I wouldn't say unique, but I felt, it felt unfamiliar. And I didn't like that at all. You know, change isn't something that I was very good at. So seeing that change happen internally was something that was something that, like, it was something that I didn't know how to handle. Obviously, you know, I was 13. You don't just change. You don't just mature automatically to deal with that in an emotionally mature way. So being me, someone that, you know, loves my parents a lot, I went to them. I didn't want to scare them, but that day that I was sweating and like uncontrollably hyperventilating and shortness of breath, all of that, I, I couldn't speak a lot. So I went to my parents and I was hyperventilating in front of them and they were, you know, they were scared, but they were prepared. A lot more prepared than many South Asian parents are. Admittedly, I know that in my culture, it's not very normalized to talk about mental health, but my parents have experienced it in, you know, our family history and also just with my cousins. So they know how to handle it. Thankfully, I was, you know, put in luck with that, but um, not everyone is, but I was. So I went to my parents and I told them that I thought I was going to die. I thought that was it for me. And I thought that they weren't going to see me grow and all that, you know, I really convinced myself that that day was it. So they took me to the ER and my dad had to tell the lady up front, my daughter thinks she's going to die. He had to let those words utter out of his mouth. My daughter thinks she's going to die. It started off quiet, you know, just like a mumble. My daughter thinks she's going to die like that. But it escalated when the lady said, what? My daughter feels like she's dying. I mean, I was waiting in the room for 15 minutes. Before that, you know, I told them to just leave me out. You know, I was going to die anyway, so just leave me out, leave me out, leave me out. Multiple times. They didn't give up. Why, why should they? They raised me for 13 years and they think that number, 13, is going to take me away from them? Oh, hell no. <laughs> so they took me in to the room and they let us into the waiting room and then I was put there overnight. When I was put there overnight, I didn't have much expectation, you know. I thought it was over for me so I just convinced myself that and I cried uncontrollably and I fell asleep. I don't know, I don't remember how, but I did. The next morning, they still didn't come in, so they just took, like, you know, your usual, the vitals and blood work just to make sure nothing was physically wrong with me. And then the next day, six hours, they kept me there. Um, The next day, the following day. So I was there for a full 24. No, no, I wasn't. I wasn't there till night. I was there till the next day, uh, till, like, 3. So that the person, I think it was a doctor, he came in at around 1. And he did the signs of suicide with me uh, while my parents were in the room. They had to hear, you know, have you ever tried to harm yourself? Have you ever thought of harming yourself? All that, all those questions. But, you know, surprisingly for me, I didn't. I never thought of killing myself. I just thought that I was going to die. And that fear 
fear of the unknown, you know, ate away at me. So I never, I never lied to the doctor. I never thought killing myself, but the thought of death still stuck with me. So I told him that. He referred me to a therapist after taking that test. My, my parents, you know, they were caught off guard. This was something that they never thought. You know, that smiley 12-year-old girl, 11-year-old girl, 10, up till like that minute before I did turn 13. They didn't think that would create such a change, a dramatic change, but it did. Something when you think about it sounds ridiculous. That's why I don't like sharing it that much. Wow, you're scared of a number. I'm not scared of the number. I'm scared of the stigma around it. That year was the worst year of my life. Constant panic attacks. Up till that point where I was took to the ER. I went to a therapist and that didn't work out for me because I personally didn't like, you know, that idea of sharing all my thoughts to a stranger that I didn't know. Other people like that. They don't know anything about you. They can't judge you. I respect that. But for me... It didn't seem natural. My friends, my family, those were the two groups of people that I wanted to go to. But I didn't want to scare them. I didn't want to burden them. But I never felt like that with my parents, so I went to them. I went to my cousin for help. I reached out for someone because if I didn't, I was too scared that I was going to die earlier than I anticipated that I was going to. So that fear of that motivated me to reach out for help. I got better, like way better. I distracted myself. I played basketball outside with my brother, hung out with my grandparents, colored, wrote in my journal um, feelings that I was feeling, and then I just crumpled it up and threw it out. Initially, people think, wow, you don't want to keep that. You don't want to keep that memory. No, I don't. I want it buried in my past. I don't want to ever come back to it. Until today, I reached out um, to my cousins and asked, like, do you think that I should make this episode? They said, yeah. And I thought about why. I thought about why would be the possible reasons that I would want to ever bring it up again. It's because, you know, it creates awareness. But now let's think more recently. 16, three years until... Or since that incident, I'm always, like, I'll be 17, technically, so it's like four years since that incident. Three and a half, maybe. And I thought to myself, why would I want to bring that back, you know, leave that three years away? But then, November 2021, my mental health hit its all-time low again. It was like I was back at square one, spiraling again. You know, I was used by someone, and I was, you know, I felt like trash. That's how I felt, trash, like someone that they could crumple up and then throw away after, you know, writing on them. Like, you write on a piece of paper, you don't like it, you throw it away. You use another piece of paper, like that. A piece of paper, everything that you wrote on it, didn't mean any value. And that thought of that, that thought 
of stupidity. How could I be so stupid? Spirals in your head. And it spiraled so much in my head that I hit the lowest point. I was put in a place where someone that I thought I could trust betrayed that. And you never want to, you know, hurt them. You don't want to hurt their image. You don't want them to feel that they did something wrong, even though they did. So you'll leave it. You'll let it be. But then you're letting your mental health slip away. So I told who I felt I could trust. I told them not to tell anyone and they didn't because that's the friends that I've created. That's the friends that I have, that's the friendships I've created. Not friends, like friendships, you know? I felt safe enough to tell them about my story. And in November, when another incident happened where I felt betrayed, where I felt so lost, and cried constantly, I told those close to me. I never let that person that did it to me, I never let them, you know, feel unwanted. I never told all their friends. I never did that because I never felt the need to do that because I didn't better mentally. I don't better mentally from, you know, just shitting on someone's image the public image. So I didn't. I was silent. But selectively silent. Told those close to me and moved on. Even though every single day I felt disgusted looking at myself. So I tried to bury it. And now I did. I don't think about it at, like all that much. I still have thoughts about it, obviously, because it is it was a low point in my life. I felt, you know, the worst that I've done or the worst that I felt in three years of my life. So it felt terrible. I, I think about it. However, I have so much support, you guys. Like, I'm so blessed to have the people in my life. Like, actually, my friends have been nothing but support to me. And they never judged me for what happened. They just helped me. You know, they've told me, you know, why don't you just go and, you know, expose what happened. But I don't want to. I told them and they understood. They respected that. So now I'm growing, guys. It's February. It's been about, you know, Four months, if you count, you know, November, since what happened. So, I'm growing. I've grown insanely mentally in these four months. And I've really just been so grateful for the people around me that I know are long-term. And they've helped me through almost everything. And I've helped myself. So, overall, I'm doing so much better. Which is why I feel confident to share my story. And I feel okay to tell you guys that it's normal to spiral. But you need to reach out. It's not something to be taken lightly, guys. Like, when my grandpa passed away in July, he dealt with the same things. Like, 
mental health was falling slowly for him. It was deteriorating, which caused his physical health to fall drastically. They go hand in hand. If you give one more importance than the other, it's not going to work. So please reach out. Reach out to me if you don't have anyone. Self-harm is inevitable if you don't treat a mental illness. Please, please reach out. Thank you so much for listening. And I really appreciate and I'm proud of, first of all, I'm really proud of myself for even explaining this to everyone. Um, But I'm really glad if you guys made it till here. Thank you so much for listening. Have a good day.